Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi folks, this is Sarah Perry and welcome back to Haven Space. Today we are going to be discussing the practice of edging. By the end of this podcast, you should know what edging is, what it isn't, where to find it, how to prepare, how to do it, how about making it happen for yourself with all of the consent, respect, and pleasure that our bodies are worthy of. Um, So let's jump right in. So what is edging? Edging is the practice of getting close to orgasm and not allowing yourself to go further into the orgasm, but instead coming back and doing it several times until eventually you allow yourself to have an orgasm. Most of the time, people edge three or four times before reaching orgasm and allowing themselves to have that explosion of sensation. But it is super important to note that for a lot of people, there is a magical number. And after a certain amount of tries, your body just will kind of reject all of the pleasure simply because you're not going to orgasm. You haven't orgasmed then you kind of just let it go. Edging is also called teasing surfing and peaking. It makes sense when we talk about um, the different kind of edging that we're going to talk about in a little bit, that some of it is called surfing and some of it is called peaking. If you can picture just a little bit of how you would visualize surfing and how the waves kind of curve and go up higher and smooth down. And if you could think of peaking as something a lot more sharp, those are both different ways that we would experience the pleasure of edging. Again, you should know that all of our bodies are completely different. All of the ways that we exhibit pleasure are different. And in fact, all of the ways that we make it happen, even people with the same body parts have things arranged differently and that feel sensations differently. So it's really important to keep that in mind when we are kind of assuming that something we're going to try is going to work on somebody else. A good way to start Um, doing teasing and surfing and peaking and edging is going to be to do it by yourself. Let's make sure that we know exactly what we like and don't like so that when we decide to share it with other people, we're not uncomfortable in the navigation of that. Unless it is someone, of course, that you are completely comfortable with and you feel safe being uh, explorative and saying things like, "Mm, that's not working anymore, let's change it a little bit or um, definitely do more of that. Another important concept is the idea that edging is kind of a play on consent negotiations because you are saying, take me close to coming, but don't let me come. But in the moment, you may say, no, make me come, make me come, make me come. So you really are playing with kind of like a power dynamic. Edging has to be consensual, of course, but it can also apply in situations where the power dynamic actually lends itself to consensual non-consent, which is basically one partner would be dominant and would say, oh, I'm not going to let you come. And so like permission to come could be something that plays really fun with edge play, but only if you've already agreed to it. And definitely only if your partner already knows that you're going to do something like that. It could be the biggest turnoff ever to bring someone so close to coming and then take it away from them so rudely and perhaps change the dynamic of what that person was actually looking for. Remember, it's really important to say things like, this is how I want to be touched. 
Can we do this today? How do you feel about exploring this? And having conversations that are super transparent can really lead us to have much better sex lives and really much better relationships with the people that we're engaging with. So the first time the term edging was used was in 1956 in the Journal of Sex Medicine in an article by James H. Siemens on the stop-start method, where he proposes that this could be a good technique to help people combat premature ejaculation. Instead of premature ejaculation, though, I like to call it discordant ejaculation simply because it just means that you didn't come when you wanted to. It doesn't have to be premature. It doesn't, there wasn't some line in the sand of when coming was appropriate. In fact, coming at any point is appropriate when you're using pleasure-based ideas on sexuality instead of performance-based ideas ejaculating kind of before everyone has been pleased or happy with how much sex has been had only becomes a problem if that means that sex is over. If sex is not over, if the person with a penis ejaculating is not the big grand finale, then you can continue to have sex and continue to enjoy pleasure with each other even post-ejaculation. Then it becomes kind of not a huge deal. Does that make sense? So it also, edging, the practice of edging also really helps in practicing mindfulness and presence in our sexuality. Edging kind of forces people to pay attention to exactly what is happening physiologically in their bodies. It forces us to pay attention to breath, to um, kind of muscle tightening, to recognize when we're going to get close to ejaculation or orgasm, and it forces us to reconnect with that part of ourselves that we tend to get lost in. Instead of using sex to kind of erase everything that's happening in your mind, you could use sex to tune in even more closely to what's happening in your body and your soma, your entire kind of sense of self. Um, So that being said, it is completely reasonable that one of the reasons people do this is to have longer, more powerful orgasms, longer sex, as in marathon sex, which remember is not a race. It's supposed to be just a time to relax and enjoy pleasure with you, yourself, your body, or your partner partners. Also, preventing this discordant ejaculation like I just talked about um, and creating more connection to the soma during sexual practices. But Really, the only way that we can break down edging is to break down the four stages of arousal. The four stages of arousal are, of course, excitement, plateau, orgasm, and resolution. And it makes a lot of sense. So excitement is the beginning of arousal, is kind of your mind turning towards uh, sexuality. It's like that moment where your mind goes, huh, okay, that was sexy, and then starts to focus. Typically, there is uh, muscle tenseness, a heartbeat that goes a little faster. In fact, in my coursework in somatic sex education, we are taught different types of breath and how they can purposely increase your heart rate and kind of force you into this excitement stage and create a blood flow that does include your genitals, does include your mind in a way that turns sexual, even if nothing is happening around you. Typically, this would be um, a time that somebody's vagina gets wet. 
Typically, this would be a time where a scrotum would get tight, balls up, lifted, and forward. This would be a time with a little bit of extra blood flow to the penis, potentially an erection. Now, remember, vaginas getting wet and penises getting erect are not a sign of arousal. They are simply responses that our body can sometimes have to arousal and we have come to rely on them as kind of evidence that people are into the situation but really the only evidence that we really have that people are into a situation is them telling us yes i'm in let's do this and that's why we have things like dildos and lube so keep those around always so that you never feel like there's pressure to get erect or to get wet because no one likes to have sex with a ton of pressure on them. Um, Next, we obviously have a level of plateau. You reach this excitement and then you get to a point where everything's kind of more intense, but it feels kind of stable. There's a lot of intense emotions, sensations, and you can feel them and you're paying attention to these sensations. This is the moment where all of the blood has already flown to that area. And everything we're doing in this space feels fantastic. And in a lot of societies like ours that are very purpose-based, we get to a point where people are tired of plateauing. They're ready to actually have an orgasm. And so much of the way we have sex is simply first to get to penetration and then secondly to get to orgasm. And this applies to many different relationship dynamics, not just cis, het, couples. We're talking about, of course, by cisnet, I mean cisgendered, which is people that identify as the gender they were told at birth, assigned at birth, and heterosexual, as in people who are straight, liking someone of the opposite sex. Even couples that are not cishet couples will have the push, the societal traumatic push towards I just need to get it in, and then once you do, I just need to come and try to get it done as fast and efficient as possible. In fact, a lot of people talk about BMS, boring married sex, which is coined by uh, my friend Beth Liebling from Darling Way and from the book Love and Laughter. To refer to boring married sex as in the type of sex that you have in a relationship that is well-established where is no longer explorative, but in fact is just a means to an end. I always think that that should be a little bit problematized because I think there's a ton of value to having slept with the same person for so long that they know exactly what buttons to push to make it happen, especially if you have children, especially if they are young children, having someone around that can quickly make you orgasm is really fantastic and is just a good tool to have. Now, picking up again the four stages of arousal, after plateau, we have orgasm. Plateau reaches its way up to orgasm, and the idea is that with edging, you wouldn't quite get to orgasm. You would feel it, you would pay attention to what's happening in your body, and you would know, oh my god, I'm getting so close. And I think everybody who's had an orgasm can relate to that idea of, I'm drawing close, and this needs to happen. Well, This is where it gets interesting. There's three different ways to prevent an orgasm from actually happening once you have started to build it. Some of these are so brilliant and so well known that in fact, vibrators could have different settings on them to get you close to these things. So first we're gonna talk about pause edging. 
This is really simple. It's exactly what it sounds like. You would basically build up, masturbate, or with your partner, build up exactly as you know to get yourself as close to orgasm as possible and then completely cease contact. This is really common in vibrator settings where the vibrator kind of vibrates and then stops for about 10 seconds and then vibrates really intensely again and stops for about 10 seconds. Now, some people say you should wait closer to 30 seconds to make sure that you are not going to orgasm when you start again. But I think about 10 seconds should be enough for most people, but you have to really try this out yourself to see exactly how long you would want. You don't want to wait too long because you don't want to absolutely have to start from scratch, but you don't want to do it so close that you can't control your orgasm. So basically, you'd be stimulating increasingly targeted until you're very, very close and you're engorged, and then at some point, full stop, and then start again. Start with two to four buildups, and then let yourself orgasm, and continue stroking that area until the orgasm is over. And I think that you will find, as is common, that orgasms tend to last much, much longer, be a lot more entirely bodied instead of just genital, and then, in fact, be a lot stronger than you remember. The next form of edging is going to be called distracted edging, where instead of um, ceasing contact completely like we did during pause edging, you would just touch other areas to distract from the orgasm. For example, in this case, if you were a person with a vulva, you could be having clitoral stimulation until you get very close to orgasm and then insert an object and then and start with a little bit of penetration play. And this way you are basically not ceasing any kind of physical contact. You're continuing physical contact, continuing sexual pleasure, but focusing away from the attention of the clitoral stimulus. In this case, you would do it back and forth, back and forth. This tends to be kind of probably the most common way that you could practice edging with a partner simply because it's much easier to have someone else do a couple of different things at once and trust them to do a couple of different things at once. Um, And then lastly, we have a continuous edging. Continuous edging is best for people who have a hard time staying close to orgasm, who lose orgasm very, very quickly and have to build up a very long time to reach it again. And this would be Basically, that you would continue to stimulate the exact area that you were stimulating before, just in a different rhythm. So, for example, if you have a clitoris and you are rubbing clitoris to get closer to orgasm, and there's a specific stroke that you like, like most commonly up and down motion, upper right hand quadrant, then you would stop when close to orgasm and actually just pat, tap, squeeze, um, do circular motions, change the rhythm. This is actually really, really difficult for um, people who orgasm quickly because you will continue to have intensity. It's just a little bit more nuanced and a little bit different. So it's incredibly important that you're focusing on what your body's doing, what it's telling you, and try listening from this perspective. Also, if you are a person that has a penis, good ways to do um, distracted edging would be to squeeze the very tip of the penis. Also, ballooning can be applied to any type of genitals, 
and is the number one setting on vibrators, which is just the intensity grows and then diminishes and then grows again and then diminishes. When I'm talking about ideas like um, surfing and peaking, this is what I'm talking about. Whereas surfing would be this type of um, continuous edging and then peaking would be pause edging where you would start, get so close and then completely end every touch and kind of play back and forth with that. So notice as a technique what your breath is doing when you're getting closer to orgasm. It is extremely common for people to hold their breath or breathe very, very shallow and close together when they're getting close to orgasm. And in fact, that can happen enough before feeling the orgasm build up that you can stop with plenty of notice. Also notice your muscle tightness People tend to kind of squeeze their legs, arms, shoulders, lift up as they're getting closer to orgasm. Sometimes jawline is involved. Try paying attention to these little signs your body's giving you, as well as learning what is getting you closer to orgasm. You could then use those techniques to help trigger orgasm inside of your body simply by forcing these other parts of your body to engage like you're going to orgasm and then kind of calling it on demand. Um, So you should really try this alone. Like I said before, you can do it alone in your room. Make sure you're accounting for plenty of time so you don't have um, kind of the stress of how quick you need to come. Don't do this with, you know, the kids having quiet time because they're going to come bother you. Um, You can also try this partnered with many people as long as the person has already established some type of power dynamic with you where you know that you could tell them, okay, I'm ready to come. I'm ready. You have to make me come now or not. Uh, Remember also that it could be extremely exciting to have someone control how close you get to orgasm or not. In fact, for a lot of couples who have difficulty orgasming because of the pressure to orgasm, Uh, the idea that orgasms are off the table could be incredibly sexy and it could bring you much closer to orgasm than you realize. Make sure that you're being safe in the relationships that you have with other people. Of course, make sure your STD testing is up to date and that the partners that you have are people that you feel you can trust and have also been tested. So to recap, we today talked about edging, what it is, what it isn't, how to do it, where it came from, and why we think it could be an amazing practice to get engaged in. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.